Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Uh, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack, they're at football practice. I am getting up the podcast for previewing Oregon versus USC. And to do that, we're bringing on uscfootball.com's Connor Morissette to join the show to get you some information on the USC Trojans. Connor, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? How's the beat coverage this, this year been for you guys? Uh, it's been interesting for sure, Matt. Thanks for having me on. The big news, of course, USC fires defensive coordinator Alex Grinch Sunday. Now they'll play Oregon, who I think is the best team they'll play all year on Saturday. Certainly interesting timing there. I know we'll get into all of it, but, yeah, it's been an up-and-down season for sure. Yeah, um, that was right where I was going to start. Up and down, it's, it's been interesting. We've seen some wins. We've seen some tough losses. We've seen uh, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, fired. Um, what's just the general mood? As we enter the final stretch, Oregon has three games. USC has two. Um, what's the, the final stretch of, of, of this season looking like for USC? Is is there a sense of let's just get the season over with? Is there we want to cause Pac-12 chaos because that's what the Pac-12 always has? What's just kind of the feel of this team right now? Well, they're definitely pushing – to the players, the staff is, we can still get to the Pac-12 championship game. It's still in our control, and I'd have to go through all the scenarios, but I believe if USC wins these last two games, they do have a solid chance yeah. of making it to Las Vegas. So it's not like that's a bad message or a wrong message. Yeah. It's just the way the team's been playing, I think there's a lot of questions. And everyone said, okay, after USC has two losses, they're kind of playing with house money now. There's no pressure on the team. And I think you can make that argument for the offense, but there's been so much pressure on the defense with how poorly they've been playing. And I think you saw against Washington, the pipes kind of burst a little bit. And we all know how good Washington is throwing the ball, but that's not really how they beat USC. They just ran all over them. And then that, of course, led to Lincoln Riley making a change. So the team did seem a little more loose at practice this week. And they are still fighting. They've never quit this year, which is a credit to them because it has certainly not gone as expected. They were number five to begin the season. So I think just the mood around the team on offense, it seems loose uh, on defense. Guys are saying all the right things, but there's just been so much pressure on that unit this week. And even if a coaching change does provide a spark, I just feel like going into Autzen Stadium on Saturday night kind of will even out that spark. It's a really tough place to play, as you as you know, Matt. And I, I just don't know how much of a spark a change can provide when you're playing such a tough opponent. Um, we don't need to go into why Alex Grinch was let go. It's pretty clear, pretty evident. But why was USC unable to field a, a, a solid defensive unit? What led to um, these struggles that we've seen on the football field? Well, the coaching staff says execution all year. It was we're close. We need all 11 guys to be doing the right thing. And on our plays where we make mistakes, it's only been nine or 10 guys. It's execution. It's on film. You can just see one guy making a mistake, but it's pretty evident that it's coaching and the right. team just can't line up correctly. I mean, against Washington, a simple pitch to the outside flabbergasted USC so badly that I think the running back was averaging over four yards per carry before he was touched against USC. So it's like, <laughs> not good. yeah. So it, it was all year we heard execution, but the real problem was the team just didn't know how to line up. And it was simple mistakes that consistently occurred 
Cal had two big rushing touchdowns in the first quarter against USC, and then their great running back, Jaden Ott, got hurt. So the whole narrative was, well, in the second half, USC did a much better job against the run, but the reality was Cal's best player just got hurt and wasn't able to be uh, – wasn't able to do what he did in the first half. So I, I think that's been the biggest thing. The coaching staff says execution, but the guys haven't been able to line up correctly, and I think this week USC with their co-interim defensive coordinator, Sean Nua – the old defensive line coach and Brian Odom, the old linebackers coach, they're going to simplify things. Nua said yesterday, if we just have to make one call, we're going to do that. If that's what it takes to make sure we're playing hard, playing physical and getting things right. So it's, it's not a lack of talent. Is there an expectation that they've got the, the talent, the depth in, in place here to, to perform significantly better. It's just lack of execution, prepare, being better prepared. That's a million-dollar question. So in my opinion, I think the talent is better than we've seen. I mean, how can it not be? Just right. look at some of the guys uh, on the team. I think at cornerback, USC, they've gotten up-and-down performances from Damani Jackson, who's a former five-star recruit. But overall, I, I like what I've seen from him. It wasn't like the corners got burned against Washington. Christian Roland Wallace, a transfer from Arizona, he is an NFL prospect. I think he'll be drafted after this season. Looking to the safeties, Kalen Bullock's an All-American. At linebacker, Mason Cobb was a second-team All-Big 12 player last season. And Eric Gentry is a really talented linebacker, freshman All-American two years ago at Arizona State on the defensive line. Bear Alexander, a former five-star recruit, a guy who's had a great season for USC. So there are some holes. There are some positions I didn't mention because some guys haven't really locked those down, and it's been a right. revolving door of people not getting the job done. But the team has talent, and a lot of people on the beat are divided. Yeah, this was always going to happen because the talent isn't there. Some make that argument. I, I disagree with that. I, I do think the team has the ability to play better defensively. I don't know how much better in such a short period of time, especially going up against Oregon. But in my opinion, I, I think the, the coaching has really failed the team, and that's why Lincoln Riley elected to make the change. Sure. Um, what's a fair expectation for Sean Noah and, and Brian Odom? You know, they've, they've got two games, but like what's kind of a, a fair expectation for these guys and a reasonable, you know, progress made by, by this change? I think going one and one, I, I don't see a way for USC to beat Oregon this week. I do see them having a solid chance to, to beat a UCLA team that struggles on offense. But right. I, I just think – can can it not look as bad? Can can the style? Can you get more style points? <laughs> and people watching this will be like, well, you know, it's all about wins and losses. Who cares about yeah. style points? But when it's looked as bad as it has defensively for USC, I think you could maybe get somewhat of a moral victory if instead of Oregon scoring on three or four play drives where they just eat up big chunks of yards on every play you hold them to some touchdown drives where it takes a little bit longer. Just limit the explosive plays, limit the mistakes, limit the plays where, you know, guys in, in the end zone are, are fighting with each other because they weren't on the same page. We saw that happen a bunch of times against Washington. So I think if it's just a little bit of a cleaner operation that maybe can go a long way to beating a UCLA team in two weeks. And then who knows what's going to happen in the bowl game, but overall it, it has been a disappointing season. And I realistically don't know how much can change in six days ahead of a big game. Right. Um, at seven and three, like what's Riley's seat looking like? And I, I only ask this because whenever you have to fire an assistant coach for the lack of on field success, that, that that's a, a clear indicator that things are not going 
in the, the order that the expectations had going into the season? Like, is there any pressure on Lincoln Riley? Is the, is what, what does he, has he come out and said like he's feeling pressure? Um, it, it's crazy to think about because he's one of the best offensive coaches in college football. I mean, he generates Heisman candidates every single year. He's been to the college football playoff at, at Oklahoma, but like at USC, it's just been, you know, they got to a, a New Year's Six bowl game last season. So it's like, it's crazy to, to ask this question. And yet uh, you almost kind of have to ask because they fired a coach during the season, which is not good. I think there was a lot more pressure on him before he fired Alex Grinch. All the pressure he was facing was to make a change defensively. Gotcha. You look at the offensive points per game numbers. They're number one nationally. The offense, it maybe hasn't looked as clean as some people thought this year, but the numbers are really, really good once again. He's doing what he was brought here to do, which is score a lot of points. He really was brought here to win more games. So I think he can feel a little bit of pressure for that. 0-3 against ranked teams this season. The team has too much talent to, to be in that position, in my opinion. But I don't really think there's too much pressure on him because the offense is good, and they're not losing games to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. They were really close against Arizona before Arizona really got everything going with Noah Fafita. They were really close against Cal. But the only teams who have beaten – Lincoln Riley at USC are ranked teams. And even if that's a little bit of a disappointment based on where the team started at number five, I don't think they're playing poorly enough overall to really have him feel too much pressure. Now, if this continues and they struggle to beat ranked teams for a few years and they don't get close to the 12 team college football playoff, could we start to feel that a little bit more? I think absolutely. But right now, I think it's a little bit too early to have pressure on him. I think he's won 83% of his games in, in his yeah. career. He's on pace to have the worst regular season of his career. If an eight and four years, your worst year. That's pretty not, good. Yeah, that's not too bad. So a little early on that, but of course we'll see what happens down the line. Um. Injuries going into this week. Marshawn Lloyd did not play um, against Washington last weekend. Um, I, I don't know if many people realize this, but like he's one of the top backs statistically in the in the conference for you know, which is pretty impressive considering how often USC's offense throws the football, relies on Caleb Williams. Marshawn Lloyd's one of the league's better running backs. Um, let's start there with him and his availability. And is there anyone else that's up in the air right now? I think he'll be back. He was at practice yesterday. He, he was an interesting case. He, he was at practice on Tuesday and Wednesday last week, and then something must have happened because all of a sudden he was out. But he spoke with reporters on Wednesday, and usually if players talk, that means they'll be available. So I think he got nicked up later in the week. He was back, like I said, with pads on, so I expect we'll see him. Defensively, Max Williams, uh, safety, who started for USC, he's been battling an injury ever since the Notre Dame game. He came back last week against Washington, but left with an injury. He was at practice, but I don't know to the extent he participated. We're not uh, able to see too much right now with Lincoln Riley. He, he's really closed sure. practices off to the media. Jacoby Covington is a, another corner who is trying to get back from an injury. He suffered against Arizona, which is almost a month ago now, maybe even a month ago. He did not play last week. It looks like he's inching closer to playing, so so we'll see. He's been at practice. And then there's one more defensive starter who's been banged up that is new. Riley doesn't allow media members to publicly comment on injuries sure. of guys he hasn't discussed yet, so there could be one other surprise down the line. Um, Caleb Williams is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you could argue the best player in college football. Um, you could even – get away with saying it's by far the best player in college football. You wouldn't get a lot of pushback on that. 
Um, we're not, we don't need to go into much of just why he's so good, but who are the players around him that have been able to flourish because of Caleb Williams, you feel like? I think Taj Washington is at the top of the list. USC doesn't have a number one receiver like Jordan Addison last year. It's just different this year. They have a lot of talented guys, but no one who's really jumped up to that number one spot. Washington would be the, the number one receiver if you just look at the numbers and, and what he's been able to do. So uh, he, he certainly benefited, and he's a guy who just works really hard, and by all accounts, even if USC had a different quarterback, I think he'd be really successful. But, of course, it hasn't hurt him having Caleb Williams. So Taj Washington, the receiver. Brandon Rice leads the team in receiving touchdowns. He's benefited a lot as well. I think Marshawn Lloyd, of course, the running back, you mentioned how talented he is, Matt, just having the threat of passing with Caleb Williams has opened up some holes for him. And USC's offensive line, they weren't very good at the middle of the year. They made a couple of tweaks and have gotten better. I think with all the new faces, guys are – now getting more adjusted to Caleb Williams scrambling and what you have to do in those situations to not get holding penalties. And I think sometimes when you have a quarterback who's as mobile and as talented as Caleb Williams, it's kind of challenging to block for him because he's so unpredictable and the new look offensive line struggled with that early in the year. But I think now they're complimenting each other really nicely and the offensive line, it's kind of weird to say like the quarterback is elevating the offensive line, but I, I feel like that's been happening these last couple of weeks too. Yeah, it looks like uh, USC's made a couple changes, moving Kingston from guard to tackle and then throwing in Murphy in that at right guard where Kingston was. Is that the change that you're you're referencing and just what, what led into that? Yeah, those are the the two changes. And Michael Tarquin was a is a transfer from Florida and he was playing right tackle before USC made the moves and it just wasn't that pretty. So he takes a seat, and in the last two weeks, he'd been rotating in a little bit, but he did not play at all against Washington. Instead, the team just elected to go with the five uh, who they've gone with since the change. So, yeah, that, that's helped a lot. Against Cal, it didn't look that great, but since the Notre Dame game, USC's played Utah, and the offensive line looked much better. Cal was a little shaky, and then last week against Washington, it looked better. So, overall, those changes have definitely helped. What's the story with, with Singer? at receiver because at Arizona, he was unbelievable. And I think when he transferred to USC, it was, Oh boy, like that you pair him with Caleb Williams and the guys that are going to be around Dorian singer, you're, you're thinking this could be a group that they're loaded and singer is just going to get a bunch of one-on-ones and dominate. And yet this season, he only has like, 20 catches for 230 yards? Is it a byproduct of just so many guys that are around him and, you know, only one football to throw? Or is is there something else to that? I'm just surprised by his lack of production this season. I was too. I picked him to be USC's leading receiver this year. I thought he was going to – I mean, no one could fill the void of Jordan Addison, but I, sure. I thought he would have the best chance to do that. It's just been somewhat of a surprise, Matt. I can't exactly put my finger on it. He hasn't totally clicked with Caleb Williams – there have been times where he's been open and Williams has just overthrown him a little bit against Colorado. They missed on a big explosive play against Washington. They missed on a big explosive play. Singer's had a couple drops. It's just a classic example of it all looks like it's going to work in the preseason. And then they go up, put the pads on and it hasn't clicked by all accounts. He's a great teammate. He's a guy who works really hard. It's just one of those instances where things haven't clicked and, 
I can't put my finger on it either because we all saw the water, the Arizona numbers last year. Like you mentioned, he was over a thousand yards. I think second leading receiver in the Pac-12, and now Lake McCree, USC's tight end, has more receiving yards than Singer, and USC doesn't use the tight end in the pass game a whole lot. So that's been a major, major surprise. And overall, I just describe it as, as not clicking, and I, I don't really in, entirely know why. Um, USC's offense has scored, I think, six of their first, you know, touchdowns on their first drive of the game, six of the, of the nine games have played. They've had a field goal in there as well. Um, what's made this unit so good right out of the jump? Is it simply Caleb Williams? I think it's simply Lincoln Riley. The Him game scripting and him going through the whole week, here's what we're going to do on the first drive. If you give him a whole week to prepare for that opening drive, he's going to make you pay. So Caleb Williams, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't hurt, but I think that's, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, all Lincoln Riley, just the fact that he is such an offensive guru and, and you, you give him that much time to put a script together. They work on it and practice all week. I, I look at more of the head coach when you ask that question and that there's so much talent on the offense. So of course that, that helps a lot too, but I, I think that's mostly Riley. Uh, defensively, um, who are the guys to know? Who are the, who are the, you, you touched on a little bit of, earlier on, on just some of the guys that you think are, are better, you know, better players than what they've shown, but just who are the names to know defensively? Who are the leaders that USC is going to lean on in this game? USC's best player on defense is Bear Alexander, the sophomore who won the national championship with Georgia last year, interior defensive lineman. It's tough to pop consistently as an interior defensive lineman, yes. but he's somehow find a, found a way to do that. USC just doesn't have guys like him. Whoever's played alongside him has not been anywhere close to matching the production that Bear Alexander has. And people will look at the stats and say, oh, those stats are, are okay. He, he's facing double teams. The push that he gets is just so noticeable. He, I think, in terms of skill, is, is the most talented player on the defense. Kalen Bullock was an All-American at safety last season. He has a pick six, a couple interceptions. He's a really talented guy. Sometimes he's been guilty of getting sucked up and being too aggressive and opposing teams have paid uh, or have made USC pay in that regard. So it's not like he's played perfect football, but the, the talent is there with him. I think, like I said, Christian Roland Wallace and Damani Jackson are two talented cornerbacks who, who I like what they've seen. Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry have sort of established themselves as the top linebackers on the team. Although the linebacker rotations have been really weird in the sense that you get a series, you get a series. It's like Oprah giving up stuff. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we, all the writers, it's a big joke. We don't know like why they're deploying the linebackers the way they are. Now that Alex Grinch is gone, maybe we'll, we'll see a change there. Um, so those are probably the, the main guys I'd highlight. USC had a lot of production from their edge rushers earlier in the season, Jamil Muhammad and Solomon Bird. But since they started playing better teams, that's sort of dried right up. So those guys were playing really well, but they've sort of cooled off. Um, what's just the matchup, whether it's a player on player or position group on position group, uh, that you feel like could be a case where, wow, I don't know how Oregon's going to stop this or flip side. I don't know how, or how USC is going to stop Oregon in this area. Like, is there a particular matchup you're just like really excited to, to see play out in this one? Immediately got to jump to the run game for, for Oregon. How the heck is USC going to stop? an Oregon run game that is better than Washington's by, by a mile. So, and 
I don't know. Was Bucky Irving a little banged up this week? I'm not sure if he'll play or not, or even if he doesn't. Like the, the sad thing is with how USC's played this year, it, it doesn't really matter who's there as long as it's a healthy <laughs> running back. They're gonna they're gonna beat up that USC. Well, it's team. a it's a story because Bucky's backup going into the year, Noah Whittington, um, he's out for the year, and Jordan James has flourished in that role, but they basically now. They went from having like three starter quality guys to having two. And so if Bucky is limited or if Bucky can't play, um, that means it's Jordan James and two freshmen that have seen very little action during the season so far, which is a pretty big deal. You know, with, with like you said, how Oregon likes to run the football. So I, I think the Bucky one is a major you know thing. We'll, we'll find out after this podcast comes out you know, if Bucky was at practice today or not, but. It won't take very long to, to know it. What What's crazy, though, is just USC has allowed some career games to guys who, who you wouldn't expect this year. Going all the way back sure. to the opener against San Jose State, Nick Nash, who used to play quarterback, was a receiver, and he caught three touchdowns. I don't know if he's caught a touchdown since. He hadn't at least till a couple weeks ago. Colorado had a true freshman receiver who hadn't played at all. Yeah. All those touchdowns. Last week, the Washington running back, had only been uh, to the 100-yard mark once. He's over 250 yards and four touches. So when good players beat you, that's one thing. But a, a lot of the times this year, it's been players who have that career game against USC, and then they don't really do much the rest of the year. So just to get back to your initial question, I, I look at how the heck, no matter who's running the ball for, for Oregon, is USC going to stop that? Made the coaching change, so maybe we'll see a few tweaks. But I, my confidence level – just isn't very good. And then on the flip side, USC's running game has been really solid since the Cal game. The last two weeks, the the Trojans have done a nice job running the ball. I think Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams can get a little bit too reliant on the pass. And we've seen teams, they might not stop USC passing the ball every drive, but they've been able to get stops when USC becomes too pass dependent. So I guess the, the run game, but it's been really inconsistent overall for USC. And I don't look at one particular matchup, especially against a really good Oregon team, where I say, okay, USC is going to have this major advantage here. It, it, it hasn't been that simple. Um, I, Eric, I'm going to ask Eric's question. He always asks this um, to end the show. Uh, what, are, what are the keys to victory? USC wins on Saturday because blank. I mean, maybe you touched on the run game, but what, what's, the, what's the filler there? If USC wins, they'll have to effectively stop the run and maybe give up a couple rushing touchdowns or a couple big plays, but the consistent beat over the head, like 300 rushing yard gain, that can't happen like happened last week. On offense, with USC's defense playing as poorly as it has, the, the margin for error for USC's offense has been slimmed to none, and it's a unit that can get to that level. It's going to be really hard on the road against a good Oregon team. Last week they had two, or they had one touchdown taken off the board on a holding penalty. And then they had a receiver drop a pass. that could have potentially been a touchdown on both drives. USC didn't score. They go on to lose by two scores. So mistakes on offense are, are killers when, when, when you're dealing with a defense that is so susceptible to big plays. So I think playing mistake-free football on offense is a big key. And then can you get a defensive score? Can you get a special team score? No special teams gaffes. USC's had some special teams mistakes this year. They, they've given up a kickoff return touchdown. They missed a chip shot field goal that would have beaten Arizona in regulation. If special teams aren't clean, I, I think it's going to take a semi-perfect game to beat Oregon, and a few special teams mistakes here or there could be the difference between – I don't even think 
a win and a loss, but particularly maybe or, or maybe a, a close finish um, or, or a not so close finish. So I, I just think clean on, on offense, clean on special teams and limit the big plays defensively. A lot easier said than done, of course. Yeah. And I don't see USC walking away with a win, but if they did, I'm sure it would look a little bit like that. Well, Connor, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you for giving us some insight into USC. Look forward to to covering this game on Saturday from Austin Stadium, 7.30 kickoff on Fox. It's going to be a late one, but it looks like it's going to be a dry one, which is what we all want here today. Uh, thanks again, Connor. You've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast.